we need permitting reform in the United States. Like, we need a new electric grid, but we can't build one. We need a carbon pipelines. You can't build them. You know, one after another. Welcome to Giant Ideas with me, Cameron McLean. And me, Tommy Stadlin. We're co-founders of Giant Ventures, which builds and backs purpose-driven companies. At Giant, we're lucky to meet extraordinary people with giant ideas that are changing the world. This podcast brings you behind-the-scenes access to those ideas and the inspiring stories of the people behind them. We explore how one giant idea can kickstart a billion-dollar company, shape culture, and transform life as we know it. We recorded these first episodes at our live Giant Ideas Summit held at London's Tate Modern. The Giant Ideas Summit brings together 200 founders, CEOs, heads of state, and other leaders to explore how we can harness cutting-edge technology as a force for good. Today, we bring you John Delaney, former congressman and Democratic presidential candidate, and the founder and executive chairman of Forbright Bank, a mission-driven commercial bank committed to financing sustainable businesses and clean energy projects for a low-carbon economy. In this conversation, FT columnist and author Gillian Tett asked John about America's unprecedented Inflation Reduction Act and whether it could be repealed by a Republican administration. They also talk about how to build a pioneering U.S. climate economy without dependence on Chinese supply chains, and whether the US or Europe is a better environment for climate tech founders to build. Welcome, Congressman Delaney. Um, as you may know, those of you in the audience have been in America, once you get a title in America, you never lose it. We so, debated this over lunch. I, I suggested John, but well, you went with Congressman. <laughs> well, I've used first names by accident in Washington before and got myself into deep trouble. So, You're with the um, wrong people. <laughs> exactly. Um, but anyway, great to have you here because I've been following American politics for many years, been living in America for the last dozen years. I have to say that when they came out with the Inflation Reduction Act, I was stunned. The idea they'd actually done something and got it through Congress was absolutely amazing. Were you surprised? Um, I was a little surprised, particularly after the failure of Build Back Better. Mm. But, um, I mean, it was just a triumph. I mean, it's the greatest, it's the most significant public policy to ever come out about climate change, ever. Yes. And it's already been transformative. But remember, it passed by one vote. Which leads me to the next question. There's been a flood, tsunami of capital mm -hmm. that's gone in as a result of the IRA. I mean, just last week during Unger Week, you know, KKR's out there, you know, raising a $5 billion fund along with TBG and all the others, you name it. You know, mm -hmm. having a climate fund is a new must-have accessory for all the big, you know, venture capitalists and private equity groups. Um, I often joke that the barbarians are getting halos at an, you know, accelerating rate right now. But... As you say, the IRA was passed by one vote. So I'm going to ask you a question, which I put to John Podesta last weekend. He gave you a more intelligent answer than I was. Well, he sure. gave a more carefully couched answer because yeah. you're a free agent. What is the probability of it being repealed if the Republicans come in at the next election? Very low. Really? So... I mean, the thing you have to remember about the Inflation Reduction Act, and you know this, a tremendous amount of money is being spent in the United States right now, and the majority of, his, of it is being spent in red congressional districts, in other words, Republican congressional districts, which makes sense for lots of reasons if you think about the geography of the United States and where the maps uh, lay out. So at the end of the day, similar to the Affordable Care Act, I was yeah. in Congress when the Republicans tried to repeal the Affordable Care Act 60 times. 
literally, we had 60 votes on repealing it. Yeah, I remember. And you could never get the votes. Because what happens to these programs is they actually become popular. Because people are investing. And they work. And that's what's happening here. Now, there's other things that will be gone in the first hour. So, for example, the SEC's efforts to require more climate disclosure, if there's a Republican president, in the first hour, things like that will be done. So anything by executive authority... Although that may, that may run into the problems of the fact that California is making Scope 3 mandatory from 2027, which means that any company with any footprint mm -hmm. in California is going to have to obey Scope 3, irrespective of what the SEC does. That's right. And, and that's where California has such a significant hand in public policy. In many ways, like the United States. If the United States adopts something because of our role in the global economy, the world kind of has to follow, not entirely. In California, they adopt something considering its size in the United States. The country has to follow. Just look, but, at, but just look at German automakers. That's right. What happened then? You know? So, But there, there's no doubt there'll be a gutting of any climate priorities within the administration. Like Jigger's uh, loan office, that's not going to be making a lot of loans under a Republican administration, for example. Yeah. But I believe the Inflation Reduction Act will withstand any efforts to overturn it. Fascinating. I mean, there is this extraordinary paradox What did John right Podesta now. say? Just tell you. I saw him yesterday also. He, what did John Podesta say? John Podesta, of course, said it's inconceivable that we would lose the election. It's inconceivable that Joe Biden will not be wildly popular. And So he avoided the question. And he also said the whole strategy of the White House right now is to make sure they get enough momentum behind the IRA and enough of the barbarians like KKR raising funds on the back of this that there'll be too much lobbying muscle to, to en enable it to be repealed in the future. Now, in he didn't quite say that. He, didn't call, he did not call KKR barbarians, let me stress. Um, he's very grateful to the sudden newfound interest on Wall Street in green finance. However, the idea is to get ahead of steam, and that's what I but, find But this is why it was so important, because if you think about what was going on with climate, yeah. you had consumer sentiment was there. Yep. You had tremendous innovation, it was there. But what we lacked is large-scale, truly large-scale investment in the hard asset infrastructure. And that's because one thing was missing, public policy. Yeah. And now we have the convergence of consumer sentiment, innovative technologies, and public policy. And it is those things coming together that is accelerating the it, investment capital. And the other thing, of course, which Podesta pointed out, which is very relevant, is that irrespective of the House Republicans trying to repeal mm -hmm. the IRA, the Republican governors of the red states cannot get enough of it right now mm -hmm. because precisely because they're putting all the jobs into red, or not all, a large proportion of the jobs into red states right now. I mean, who would have guessed? I mean, this is like the world's turning on its head. But this is what's frustrating for John Podesta and for Democrats, which is the Biden administration has actually created industrial policy in the United States, which is we, ha we haven't had in a long time. It's around decarbonization, reshoring, and reindustrialization. And in my judgment, in the fullness of time, it'll not only be very sound policy, but very popular. But right now, the message is in what's getting through is inflation and the industrial policy. People aren't seeing the benefits of it. Absolutely. I mean, the other problem, though, is that Manchin backed the IRA because it was going to be made in America, rah, 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 mm -hmm. jobs for West Virginia. The problem is that you cannot decarbonize quickly in America without having a Chinese supply chain. Mm -hmm. So you are either going, it is, actually, it is completely impossible. So you are either going to have national security rule supreme or you're going to decarbonize. What is your bet about how they go? Well, I think we're going to build a supply chain in the United States. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, these things... And that's going to take 30 years. Well, it may not take 30 years. You know, people look at, think about all this stuff as slow and hard when you do get S-curves, right? And I think there's a reasonable chance you can get an S-curve on a lot of this stuff. I mean, the fragmentation of the world, which is very concerning geopolitically, is clearly creating a lot of momentum for reshoring and making our supply chains much more resilient. And I think that's going to happen. I mean, these things are hard, right, the way they interplay, which is one of the issues we're having around the economy in the United States, which is all of these things we just talked about, reindustrialization, reshoring, rebuilding our supply chain, and decarbonization, they're enormously positive in the long term, but they are inflationary in the near term. Yes. Which is likely to keep rates elevated, which is likely to make politicians unpopular. And that's also the cross current you have here. But look, at if you look at the CHIPS Act, if you look at what's going on in terms of bringing semiconductor production back in the United States, I would bet on it happening faster than you're talking about. But it also brings into play the China relationship. Yes. Right? Because in some ways, climate is the low-hanging fruit for this very chilly relationship right now. So, I mean, talking to people like Catherine Tai or the U.S. Trade Representative or Manchin um, about why they knocked out Europe amongst a group of acceptable supply chains um, in the first wave of the IRA. You know, what Manchin says is more or less we kind of forgot about it because we were so busy shoving it through Congress as fast as we could. Do you think there's any chance of the essentially rules being reinterpreted around the IRA to enable European products to be counted as domestically produced or basically subject to the um, subsidies? Yes, I do think there's... Look, at Europe's obviously been very upset about the IRA. Very, very upset. Now, at one level, that's good, because hopefully it'll, it'll encourage Europe to do more. Yeah. Right, and compete. Yeah. Because, again, this is... A, a lot of this, unfortunately, is about competition. And the reason I say unfortunate, to solve the climate crisis, we need cooperation. And what we're getting in this version 1.0 is a lot of competition. Yeah, I, I, ironically, the thing that's supposed to you know, create collaboration is actually creating more geopolitical rivalry. Yes, rivals. exactly. It's yeah. encouraging fragmentation, and it's encouraging kind of isolationism economically. And that's not how we're going to solve the problem. Now, I think, to, listen, we have a terrific relationship with Europe. I think the Biden, has done, Biden administration has done a terrific job in reestablishing not only NATO, but other European alliances. And I think this is clearly on the table. And I would, I would suggest that over time there'll be tweaks and thawings, et cetera, for the practical reality that you're talking about. And the case will be made very persuasively in the United States. Would you rather get it from Europe or would you rather get it from China? Guess what people are going to vote for. Right. But at the moment... It's not there. I mean, if, so if you were an entrepreneur right now today, would you create a green hydrogen business or a green business in Europe or the U.S.? The U.S., but I'm an American. <laughs> Well, that can be considered as a throwing down the gauntlet to this room of most Europeans to get moving. But anyway, I just want to give you my honest answer. Right, yeah. I mean, certainly the numbers don't stack up in Europe's favor right now at all. No, they don't. You cannot underestimate how powerful the IRA has become, the amount of private capital that's been mobilized. Now, a lot more has to happen. I mean, we need permitting reform in the United States. Yeah. Right? It, huge it, problem. It's a huge problem. Yeah. Like, we need a new electric grid, but we can't build one. Yeah. We need a carbon pipelines. You can't build them. You know, one after another. That, things like that. The problem that we'll have in the United States is just the intersection of local kind of nimbyism. Populism. Populism. 
environmental regulations at the local level, this fight between the natural world and the climate world, which will play out on the ground in permitting reform and building the infrastructure we need, that's actually the thing that's holding us back in the United States. So yeah. we do need more government action, but it actually needs to take a step back and say, okay, we have all this private capital, we have all this public capital, we have all this innovation, and 50% of consumers say they care about this issue when they make a decision. We have everything lined up, but guess what? We can't build anything. Well, That's what we have to solve. If nothing else, the IRA shows that sometimes the truly unexpected can happen, and sometimes it can even be good news.